Good morning. Um, well, welcome to week five of Build. And um, this is an exciting weekend for me and, and probably for many of you. In fact, I know it is um, for a lot of people in our church because this is a commitment weekend. Um, what we've been talking about over the last five weeks, or really four weeks leading up till today, um, is about how to get from here to our new campus, which is currently under construction. It was paused during COVID, uh, but we're ramping up and ready to get started, get moved. And, uh, and so we have been praying as a church over what commitment, what would the Lord have us do? Um, and we've been talking about that over the last uh, four weeks. And even beyond that, and this is what I don't want you to miss, and I know sometimes, you know, we can get caught up. And, and I know, you know, there's, it's, you know, I always say this when you, when you, when you talk about finances in church, there's, you know, there's three crowds. I think I've covered this. There's a crowd of people that are very excited. In fact, we've already had people sending in commitments uh, and we haven't even gotten to commitment weekend yet. We have people just so excited. God's speaking to them. They're filling them out. And, and they told me the other day, like, hey, we're already getting commitments in uh, from people in our church. And I'm like, wow, that's I've never seen that before. So, so there's a group of us that are just super excited, not only because of what God's going to do, and we want to see that through, but also we're excited because we know what a great opportunity it is to partner with God, and we know what God's going to do is going to be simply amazing, not only for all of us, but individually. Uh, then there's a group of people, you know, and I understand this, that there are a group of people that for whatever past experiences, reasons, etc., hurts, harms, confusions, whatever, they're like, we should never talk about money in church. And so they struggle. And if you're one of those, I just want you to know I love you. You're welcome here. And if you never give a dollar to our church, you're always welcome here. So don't stress out, okay? No one is going to hold you hostage today. You are safe, all right? <laughs> all right. And so, and then there's a group of people like they just, this is all new and they're just trying to figure this out. And so as we walk through this, we've kind of been taking a spiritual journey really in that we've been talking about vision and partnership. And, and last week we talked about faith. So we're, I just, I don't want you to miss, I don't want you to, to, to disregard what God is trying to do in us spiritually and even with giving an offering, which is a very spiritual thing, and we know it's a spiritual thing because it starts in the Old Testament, right? And in fact, the first offering, um, the first, really, the first, really, if you think about it, we see the first offering with Cain and Abel, but there was actually something set aside for God before that took place in that God reserved one tree in the garden unto himself that was not to be partaken of by man. And really, the first offering was actually before creation. We've talked about this. Jesus was slain before the foundation of the world. So, so God gave the first offering before he created anything. And then there was a tree in the garden that was reserved just for God. Um, and then Cain and Abel gave offerings. And, and then there were prescribed offerings. When we finally get to the law, uh, 400 years after Abraham, I don't know, probably eight, hundred years or so uh, after Adam, uh, we finally get to the law. There's all these offerings. And so it's a very, I think sometimes we miss that. It's a very spiritual thing. In fact, sometimes uh, it's kind of crazy. Um, but sometimes when you look at the greatest tensions and where the greatest confusions or emotions are evoked, sometimes that's where God tries to work the most. And so it's interesting. One of the things God uses so many times in our lives to teach us things is money because we all understand it, but yet when God wants to use it to teach us things, we all get offended. 
you got to love him, right? I mean, you just, yeah. So, so anyways, I don't want you to miss that there's something very unique and spiritual going on. And I also don't want you to miss there's no pressure on anybody. And if you're, you know, maybe you're watching from home because you thought it's not safe to go there because they're going to rob you, um, <laughs> then you're okay, all right? You can come back next week. No one will mug you in the lobby, all right? So, um, but for a lot of us, we are super, super excited. So I'm going to walk through a few things, and then I really, God has a good word for us today. Um, but here's what we said, and I, all this, we left it all online. It's all on YouTube. No shame in our game. It's all right there. I can't talk about everything every week, but if you go back to the Build series on YouTube or Spotify, you can walk through and get lots and lots of details. I'm not going to give all those details today, but just to catch you up, if you're, if you're new or you've been sleeping or <laughs> something, I don't know, um, but we're in a series of Build, and we're moving to a new campus. We have 49 acres. We have uh, a lot of the... Um, infrastructure done. We have a lot of the development done. We have concrete poured. We have steel standing. And now we, we want to get finished. And so these are the next steps we need to take really as soon as we can. But we said, hey, if we can do this in the next 12 months, then then this would be uh, put us in great position. But to install the bridge is about 200,000. Uh, sewer lines about 170,000 roads and parking. This to get all the roads finished. The bridge, you know, not the bridge, that's the bridge, but all the roads, the asphalt parking, all that kind of stuff, is 650,000. So, so um, roughly about a million to do that, and then a million more to dry in the actual church facility where it would look complete on the outside. It just would not be finished yet on the inside. And we said, hey, if we could get to that by you know next January, then that would give us. Um, it put us in a great position to work on the inside um, and, and just get it finished. And so, and so these are the next steps we're going to take. And so the question is, well, how are we going to take these next steps? And that's where Commitment Weekend comes in. And again, I'll put out there that what we're proposing uh, or what we're doing actually is build as a 12-month financial commitment where we're going to trust God in ways we've never trusted God before. Um, and that's what we've been praying about. And, and the way we do things here at Pathway, and again, what I'm offering you is not a theory because it worked, right? Everybody say it worked. So what we're about to do, we've actually already done, and thus we have $5 million worth of property and stuff paid for. So I'm not offering you a theory. I'm just telling you what works. So we don't hear, we don't do like, you know, if you've been to other churches and nothing wrong with this, certainly I don't think we're superior. We have everything figured out. This is just how God leads us, right? But, you know, they might have a general fund and a tithe fund and a building fund and a mission fund and all of those things, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. Here we have one fund. Everything is in the budget. So we have a budget. The budget's about $1.5 million for operating the church. It's about what it takes every year to operate the church. We, we don't stress about that because you are already giving Many of you are giving, and that's already taken care of itself, right? So what we did the first time was exactly what we're doing here. We said, hey, operations are being taken care of. People are giving. Praise God. God has provided. We're, we're so grateful for that. Now we're all going to take a next step, 
and we're, we're going to follow God however he wants us to. The budget is set, so everything over the budget now is going to go to the building, where normally anything, anything that comes in above the budget we would put in savings, now anything that comes in above the budget goes in the building. Now, let me ask a question because people say, well, are we going to stop giving to missions? No, we actually have increased our missions giving. So we're not stopping because for us that's built in. Not only do we talk about tithing, not only do I tithe personally, our church has always tithed. So the first 10% of every dollar given to Pathway Church is moved to a secondary account for distribution to missions projects, missionaries, outreaches, you know, even taking care of families that need help. We do all types of things with that, right? So we just decided in the very beginning our church would tithe. So with that, um, and usually we give more than 10%, by the way, um, but with that, so, so we are not cutting that out. It is built in that $1.5 million is built in that. Our, our, our giving is built in that. Does that make sense? So just so you know, we're not stopping what we're, what we're doing in any way. We're not hindering the, the ministry of the church in any way. We're not, we're not cutting off any of our partners in any way. So, so this is, we just trust, like you trust God all the way, right? You trust God all the way. And so, um, but what we're doing today is we have this commitment. What we're saying is, God, what do you want to do in our lives? And so they're going to put a QR code up on the screen and so if you stayed home today saying, I'm safe, I'll stay home, God will leave me alone, bad news. Because now on your screen is a QR code, and if you hold your phone up to it with your camera, it will take you to the giving ladder and the commitment card that's all digital for you. Because <laughs> the Holy Spirit is not going to leave you alone. Um, I really feel that. I mean, I don't, and I don't mean this bad, but I, I feel I, and I would never say this, and I probably shouldn't say this, and people will criticize me for it. But um, I think there's maybe some people that stayed at home today, and God was dealing with you, and maybe your flesh won, and maybe you even said, "Well, I'll just figure it out later." And now there's a QR code. So Merry Christmas. <laughs> All right. So if whether you're in the room or online, you can hold your phone up if you know how to do this to a camera, um, and and hold it over this QR code. And uh, in fact, I'll get over here. So I, I, I like wander away. It's like I'm there and then I'm not there. And here I am again. And so it's, the camera people are like, you're an idiot. Anyways, um, but yeah, you can hold your phone up. You can, it'll take you to all the online stuff. You can do, do this on the app. You can click on it on the app. It's also on our website. But if you hold it here, it just takes you there. So open your camera, scan the QR code, and then you can fill out a digital commitment card. So we have commitment cards physically in here um, in the room today, but if you're online, then you can still participate. So let's walk through the commitment card one more time. Let me just show you how this does. So first of all, the first section of it is, is these are questions that you should know the answer to. Like, what is your name? And, uh, and if somebody turns me in a card with John Doe, I'm coming to your house. All right. So you fill that out. Everybody gets that part. The second part is really, to me, such a great um, tool, really, because it's the giving ladder. And it's just a visual representation of a journey we take and, and, and how we trust God financially. And, and there are different routes to get there, but essentially we've talked about a potential giver. That's someone that could give, but for whatever reason never has or, or doesn't. An emerging giver is someone you, you, they give, we would say, sporadically, you know, in, infrequently. 
um, different amounts, different times, just here, there, everywhere. A consistent giver is someone that gives a certain amount consistently. It's just, it's just that. It, it, it wouldn't be what we would call a tithe because a tithe, according to God, according to the Bible, is the first 10% of all of your increase. So, so what, what does the tithe have to be? Well, it has to be first. So like, um, for, for me, I get paid twice a month on the 15th and the 30th. And the first thing I do is I go online and before I pay any bills, before I buy any groceries, um, before I buy any clothes, before Mariah goes shopping, um, (laughs) if you're new, that's my daughter. (laughs) Um, and, um, does anybody else feel like boys are less expensive? Does anybody else feel that way? Um, anyways, but before any of that happens, um, then I go online and I take, the, I take 10% of whatever I was paid and I give that. I, I give that to the Lord. Um, and so it's the first 10%. Tithe means 10th. It's a number, I think, a number of testing in that I get to, I get to take a test every time I'm paid with who I'm going to trust. And I can trust Chase, or I can trust Jesus. And um, for me, Jesus wins that every time. And so, um, so yeah, and Jesus doesn't charge you interest, he gives you interest back. So anyways, um, <laughs> and so that's what a, a tithe giver is. And then an extravagant giver is, is someone that, and you could say this, there in the Bible, there's tithes, and then there's offerings, or there's the tithe, and there's offerings. And then there's extravagant offerings. Another way I say that is there are painful offerings. And if you understand extravagant giving, there are times God asks you for painful offerings. Right? So you have like, remember the, the lady that brought the alabaster box and broke it over the feet of Jesus. And it was equal to a year's wage. So she basically poured a year's salary on the feet of Jesus. I can think of no better place to put a year's salary than... Uh, on Jesus, but um, that was an extravagant offering. Even the widow's mites that we talked about to Jesus was an extravagant offering. Um, you know, Abraham willing to offer Isaac is an extravagant offering, right? Obviously, the most extravagant offering was God giving Jesus. So extravagant offerings are sometimes painful, and, and no doubt in this room today and in our church at large, people today are going to give a painful offering. They're going to give extravagant offerings um, they're going to trust God in super, really incredible ways. And then God's going to do really supernatural things. Um, and so to me, what we said is the question is, where, where are you on, on the ladder? So you all know. And all that I asked, and, and I'm still asking if you're just catching up with us, all I'm asking everybody to do is not ask yourself, what am I comfortable doing? What would I like to do? Where would I like to be? But actually to go to the Lord. I will never ask you to do anything except whatever God asks you to do, right? So this is what I ask everybody in our church. Will you just go to the Lord and say, Jesus, where do you want me to be on the giving ladder? And whatever he says, I'm good with, right? Whatever he says. And then you, you mark that. So in this case, John Doe was stepping up to tithe giver. Maybe he'd been potential emerging consistent, but he's like, I'm going to trust God, get a tithe giver. And so with that, we go to the next section, and it really just becomes math, and so before, before this, John, John Doe was a consistent giver. So his normal giving last year was $3,000. But now God's challenged him to be a tithe giver, and he makes $80,000 a year. So now he has to add $5,000 to get to a $10,000 
of or eight eight thousand dollars worth of giving, which would be a tithe giver. So so he's saying, well, I've got to increase my giving over this next year, five thousand dollars. So my new normal is now I'm a tithe giver. It's eight thousand dollars, right? But now today we're doing two things. We're doing our commitments and then we're doing big gift where we bring a first fruits offering, which you see all throughout the Bible, honor the Lord with the first fruits of all your increase, right? And so we see a first fruits offering in the Bible. So we're doing that today. And what, what I said, we're really praying for, maybe we would get at least the bridge paid for today and then be able to move on to the next steps. And so, so uh, John Doe here felt like God said, I want you to be a tithe giver, but I also want you to give $2,000 uh, as a first fruits offering. And so his one year commitment is $10,000. And so today he's going to turn in a card uh, or, or online a, a commitment for $10,000 and a $2,000 gift, first fruits offering. That's what John's doing today. So again, you can do this physically on a card in here, but you can also do this online through the app or the website. But, but this is what this is what we're doing today, all right? And, um, <clears throat> and I know it, some may not be ready today. That's fine. If God speaks to you and you get ready, great. If not, then when you're ready, God's ready, okay? <laughs> so you and God work that out. Um, but we're just trusting God. Um, you know, I'm excited. <laughs> I don't really know how it's going to go. And I don't think it's going to go, like, I don't think we're going to get $5 million today. It would be so great if someone would write a $5 million check. That would actually clear. Because um, I know some of you, and you're like good-hearted people, if I'll write you a check, Pastor. Don't write a $5 million check if there's $89.63 in your account. Don't do that. You keep that $89.63, okay? Um, but I, you know, it would be nice, but I know that God is going to, just like he did the first time we step in faith and we start following God, God starts working and we get to see what God does. And, um, we've seen that so many times. So I'm excited. And so today, bef before we leave, God has a good word for us. And so I want you to get your Bibles and turn with me to Proverbs chapter three, and I'm going to read really what is a, it's really an extremely, if you're a, if you've been in church for any length of time, if you have any Christian friends on Instagram, you have probably seen this verse, these two verses that I'm about to read. But as I really went to the Lord and really asked God, what, what is it that you want me to share today? What is the word? To me, it's always so important that we get a word from God and not a word from me. And, uh, and I, he just simply brought me to this, um, these two verses that everybody probably knows or has heard. Um, and uh, I want to share them, and I just want to share some things with you because I think this is part of that journey that we're all taking together. And so uh, Proverbs 3, verses 5 and verses 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths. How many have ever heard that before? How many have ever heard that before? Um, yeah, I, I don't know how long and how, I mean, as long as I can remember, I've understood Proverbs, well, I've heard Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, and, um, you know, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Um, but there's things today that I want to share that I think, I think are helpful. I think the Holy Spirit is going to help us. Um, and today, the, the message can be applied to giving 
but really the message is more about life. So I would just say if you're here and you're like, yes, this is where he, I'm not going to show you any pictures of orphans or anything like that today. <laughs> I'm not going to have Sarah McLaughlin singing in the arms of an angel or something like that. I'm not going to, there's none of that, all right? None, no manipulation. But I just think there's some things here that we need to talk about as it pertains to just following God in life. And so that's really where I want to talk from today. So let's pray together. Holy Spirit, you are here. We are here. And that makes for a winning combination. Um, So God, we don't want to be in your presence and leave changed. We don't want to be in your presence and and leave unchallenged. Um, But God, we want you to move us from faith to faith and glory to glory. So God, we, we lean in and ask God that you would speak and that we would hear everything that that we need to hear today, the word that you have for us today, God, that it would be a transforming moment in our life. Um, And God, that it would move us forward. Um, And God, that we would see you more clearly and trust you more. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. 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 Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him. And he will, one version says, make your path straight. <laughs> I kind of like that. Not because that's my last name, but just because I just, how many have ever been on a really crooked path? That can be frustrating. How many have ever felt like that was your life? Like you're just, how many feel like you've been living from guardrail to guardrail? Wham, 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 right? And, uh, and I would rather have a straight path. Uh, and so um, three things, just three things I want to talk about as we look at this couple of verses together. Um, but here's the first thing. You cannot follow a God you do not trust. You cannot follow a God. In fact, even though we read from Proverbs, many of you know the, the life and the story of Abraham and Sarah and how God called Abraham out and was going to bring him to the promised land and Sarah was barren and God promised them a son, Isaac, and there's a lot of events. So if you just kind of have that on your dashboard, because I'll probably mention them just a little bit, but you can't follow a God you don't trust. Um, when, when I saw this, it, this is Proverbs, right? It's Proverbs 3. So Proverbs was written by Solomon, who has the, the rep of being the wisest person ever to live, King Solomon, and uh, was just renowned for his wisdom. And so part of it is um, it, it's written by him, but it's also by the Holy Spirit that he wrote. And I think that's what's cool about the Bible is you get the Holy Spirit's thoughts, but you get it through the experiences and understandings and, 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 and mental capabilities and timeline of another person. And so when I thought about that, I thought, well, this is, can we all agree it's in the Bible, it's canonized as scripture, and so it is the word of God. So God is actually saying, trust me with all your heart. Now, when God says, trust me with all your heart, notice he didn't say, um, you ought to think about it. Would you consider it? No, it becomes a directive. And so I thought, wow, this is is God. Now, you got to understand, because some of you are like, oh, we get into commandments. Commandments are about law. No, 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 no. you got to know the heart of God. Because God, every good thing comes from God. God is good and does only good. God has good plans for you. So if God is giving a directive, it is for your good. The Ten Commandments, if we could keep them, would be for our good. When you break a commandment, it is for your bad. Right? 
And so God's giving us directive. Hey, trust me. Trust me. Well, God, why? Is it because you're mean and you don't want me to have fun? He's like, no, trust me because I'm the one that can get you through life with the least amount of casualty. If you do it your way, that could be more painful than if you would trust me. So with God, it is a directive. With Solomon, it is an admonishment. Because Solomon is saying, I'm the wisest person in the world. He's not saying that. We're going to put words in his mouth right now, right? But the wisest man in the world says this. Let me tell you something I've learned. Let me tell you something that I've learned so you don't have to learn it by doing the things that I did to learn it. Come on, parents. How many times have you had that talk with a kid? Listen, I know where this bus finally stops, Junior. How? Because I rode it all the way to the end. (laughs) And I can save you a few stops. (laughs) But for Solomon, it's an admonishment because he's saying this. He's saying, hey, there's a lot of things that it seems like you could trust in. There's a lot of things you would be tempted to put your trust in. I think sometimes this is really, and I don't want to get into all the money thing, but money is one of the things. Like Jesus said, you can't trust God and mammon. Like money is one of the most alluring things. Because isn't it true? We always say, if I just had more. Like I need God to come through or I just need more. Right? I'm guilty too. You know, people always say money can't make you happy. I'm like, I'd just like to try it one time. (laughs) Just one day. Just to see. I just, I understand everybody tells you that, but just what if it did? (laughs) And so I think with Solomon, he's like, he's like saying, hey, there's a lot of things you can be tempted to put your trust in. But let me tell you the, the sum total of all wisdom, trust in God. Because he's the one that can get you through life. Trust in the Lord. Trust is required. Like, I think we follow God as far as we can trust him. Because once trust stops, following stops. Right? Right? And and I think one thing we have to understand, too, when, when it comes to God, like in the world of faith, there's these three terms. I was thinking about this. These three terms we have, like, we have the term belief. And we have the term trust, and we have the term faith. And, and a lot of times we kind of think they're interchangeable. And, and I suppose they could be, but I'm not so sure they're always interchangeable. And let me explain what I mean. So, so I brought this chair. I didn't actually bring it. The TA team did. But the TA team brought this chair because I asked them for one. And, and I think a lot of times when we're talking about faith and trust and belief, a chair is a great picture. And here's what I mean by that. Uh, It is entirely possible to believe in a God that you do not trust. It, It is possible to believe there's a God and to not trust him. In our lives, let's just be honest. 
Let's be honest about this. It is possible. We have really, you're going to, right now, you could probably think of some examples in your life where it wasn't that you, you said, no, I believe in God, but you, it, you couldn't trust him. You, you didn't trust him. And so there's a difference. It's kind of like, this is a chair. Now, how many believe this is a chair? How many believe it's a chair? Half of you believe it's a chair. <laughs> what do the other half of you, this is not a trick question. What do the other half of you believe this is? It's a horse. No, it is not a horse. It's a stool. <laughs> it's a stool. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Jesus, help us. This is why we can't have nice things. Yeah. <laughs> but see, I, I, here, here, let me just show you. So I can believe this is a chair. And I can walk around and I, and I can check it out and I can be like, man, I, I believe that's a chair. That, right there, that's a chair. I can tell other people that's a chair. Look at that chair over there. Or stool. Anybody have another name we want to use for whatever this is? <laughs> but I can say, I, I believe that's a chair. Do you believe that's a chair? Yeah, I believe that's a chair. Let me tell you about that chair. That chair right there is black, and it's got you know a leather kind of thing, and it's got some chrome. Now we know it was designed by a redneck because it has some chrome on it. <laughs> and rednecks like everything shiny, all right? And so this is why they have fishing lures. Anyway, so uh, look how shiny that one is. Um, and so we can talk about the chair and we can look at the chair and we can have the chair. And all of that is based on belief. I believe that's a chair. Trust, though, is different, right? Because trust is sitting in what you say you believe in, yeah. right? And, and to me, this is what faith is. When I put belief and trust together, that's what faith looks like. Because to me, faith is the idea that I rest in who I believe on. In fact, this is salvation. I think there are a lot of people who think they're saved. Because they believe there's a God. Can, can I remind you, I believe it was Jesus who said, yeah, even the demons believe in God and tremble. They believe they're not sitting in the chair. And I think there's a lot of people because they were born Catholic or they were born Pentecostal or they were born Baptist because grandma prayed and because they go to church on Easter or because their wife forces them to go on certain Sundays, not that you're in this room, but you could be. No elbows right now. <laughs> no chicken winging. Um, <clears throat> but see, salvation is not about just what I believe. It's what I trust in. Right? I trust in Jesus being the sacrifice for my sin. I trust in him being enough to get me back to God. I trust in his performance. You know, religious people have the hardest time with sitting in the chair. Yes. 
because we want to trust in ourselves. And right now, I'm not holding myself up. The chair is holding me up. This is salvation. But salvation is everything. Basically, this is how God is so good. He gives us this introductory class called salvation, which is to trust in the Lord for the forgiveness of our sins, trust in the Lord for for redemption, trust in the Lord for resurrection life. And then that's how faith works all the way through everything. It's the same concept. He's like, let me teach you this at the beginning. And then you just learn to apply it to every area of your life. And, and, And what we have to learn to do in every area of our life is to say, yeah, I believe God is a provider. I believe God is a healer. I believe God gives me peace. I believe God is for me. Whatever the situation is, I believe, I believe, I believe, that's great. But at some point you have to trust, which means in that area of your life, you have to sit in the chair. Because, where listen, what you need to understand is, if I'm not in the chair, it's, it's, it's weird, but resting is like following where I'm not trusting God, where I'm not sitting, where I'm not trusting God, I'm not following God. You, you, you don't follow a God that, that you, you, don't, you don't trust. With Abraham, uh, Hebrews eleven seventeen, it says, it was by faith that, that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. It, it, here's trust. It, it, he didn't say, yeah, God, I believe in you. And then just say, but we're going fishing. That we see the trust in that he was willing to entrust God with the totality of what God had given him. He didn't say, well, God, you know, you're testing me. I trust you. Let me offer you a lamb. Right? No, no. no. He, he trusted God. And, and, and we call that belief and trust faith. When I trust in who I believe in. That's what faith looks like because faith is always active. I mean, we see in the life of Abraham, he comes to Abraham when he's at Ur and he says, hey, follow me to a place I'm going to take you. And then he he comes to Abraham and he says, now give me Isaac. It was always this, this, all right, trust me, but it was always to trust me. Neither time did he tell Abraham where he was actually going. Like he didn't drop him a pin and say, just you know, plot a course here. So there was this trust involved that had to move. It was like, well, I believe you're God. Yeah, but you got to load the donkey and follow. And I won't follow a God I don't trust. Here's the second thing. Uh, partial trust is mistrust. Pa- partial trust. I like this because there's a couple of alls. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not. And then in all your ways, acknowledge him. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding in all your way. So there's a couple of alls here. How much is all? Oh. Right? So, so if all is 100, how much is on the other side? Y'all probably passed math, didn't y'all? <laughs> right? So, so what he says is we have to trust God. And just like that verse I just read, Uh, Hebrews 11, Abraham didn't trust God with a part of the promise. He didn't offer God something else that was good, that he was comfortable with. He said, no, I believe in you. So I'm offering for him. Isaac was everything. Trust in the Lord with. Because can I be honest? 
Here's what some of us do. Like, God, I believe you. God, you're so good. You, you know what, God, you're just, I believe you, God. Yeah, God, you're doing a great job. Yep, God, I tell you what, you know, I'm just so glad you're here. Right? And, 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 and we know this is true because we, we tend to trust God with some like, we're very comfortable trusting God with some, right? And, and it's different for different people. Like, there's things, isn't it interesting in our lives, there are things that are so easy for some of us to put in that chair. And then there are things that some, for some of us that are just so hard. And it's really different. Like, there's some things in my life that when they have to go in this chair, it is a war. <laughs> Mostly with myself which I never win. But there are other things. There are other things that, it's, that is so easy for me to put in this chair. But here's the problem is God wants everything in the chair. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding Trust is an issue of the heart, according to this Bible and this verse. Understanding is an issue of the brain. And now you have a war. But the reason we trust God with our heart is your heart has a greater capacity for faith than your brain ever will. We believe in our heart, confess with our mouth, believe in our heart, Romans says. Like faith is a heart issue. Trust is a heart issue. The problem is we keep trying to make our heart check with our brain. Isn't it true? And our brain says, I'm not sure how this works out. I'm not so sure that's smart. Like, I think sometimes to live a life of faith, you have to not think. <laughs> Which I know sounds really bad because you're like, there's a lot of people in this world, Pastor, that don't think and they're not living in faith. <laughs> like, I, don't, I totally get it. <laughs> we won't do a show of hands on that one, will we? <laughs> but I'm just saying, sometimes you have to give your brain a rest. I don't know about you. I think I talked about this last week or whatever, but um, I'm an overthinker. Where are my overthinkers? We need to go through every possible scenario 150 times. It's like Dr. Strange in, in Endgame. You know what I'm saying? Where he's trying to come up with the one scenario that will actually save the day, but it looks like this. He's like sitting there. He's like... That is the story of my life. If you have a meeting with me and I am late, it was because I was overthinking whatever you wanted to talk to me about. Where are my overthinkers again? 
I love y'all. Y'all are my people. But sometimes with, with, with faith, um, it means you can't, you, can't, you can't think about it too much. Sometimes you got to give your brain a rest and say, because here's what you have, need to understand. <clears throat> trust is only necessary where you don't understand. Once you understand, there is no place for trust. That's right? right? Yep. And trust, most of the time, the warfare against your faith is your understanding. And what we battle with trying to trust is, well, I don't understand. But once you understand, you no longer need faith. That's why he said the word trust there means to put all your weight on. So that's why he said trust in the Lord. Put all your weight on the Lord. So if I put all my weight on the Lord, how much weight am I supposed to put on my own understanding? Now let me ask you, in the ratio of your trust and faith, right now in your life, where you're at, what's your percentage of trust versus what's your percentage of understanding? Like, you do the math real quick on where you're at on this. <laughs> And so I think what he's saying is if I have to put all my weight on, on trust and I can't put any of my weight on understanding, like I can't be a one-cheeker. <laughs> you got to turn the other cheek. Anyway, I'm sorry. No, shh. Y'all be nice. <laughs> but but if I got to put so now what look at this look at this partial trust is mistrust because trust is all so when I become a one cheeker it's mistrust meaning there's trust that's missing and usually if trust is missing it's because you're leaning on understanding. Right? And so with God, not in a condemning or condescending way, but you have to understand to see the promise and all that God wants to do in your life, you have to understand that partial trust forfeits the blessings and benefits of trusting God. Because God works through faith and he works through your trust. And so actually partial trust is mistrust. Now let's talk about why we have partial trust. We have partial trust because we make assessments all the time with our understanding about what to trust and how to trust and when to trust. Like our understanding gets in the way. Let me say it another way. What's an assessment? It's a judgment. The Bible says that Sarah received strength to conceive. This is Hebrews 11. So Sarah was barren. That was Abraham's wife, was not able to, to have children, but yet the promise is going to come. She received strength to conceive because she judged him faithful who had promised. So she made an assessment outside of understanding. The problem is many times we make assessments inside our understanding. And we misjudge God, so we miss 
trust God so we miss the promise of God. This is a great message. Y'all have done great on this one. Like, God, you are so good. And so this is the battle then is that we have to learn to stop making assessments based on our perception of God's performance. Right? Because that's really where our judgments come from, right? Our perception of what God has done, hasn't done, will do, won't do, can do, can't, cannot do. Like, remember Job? Like, Job's life makes no sense to anybody. Like, it makes no sense to anybody. Man, all these people, I know, you don't know. Because we never find out why. And No. But after 37 chapters of trying to figure out why, God shows up. And he said, Job, I'm going to ask you some questions. Ready yourself like a man. I never want God to say that to me. (laughs) Not a day in my life do I want God to show up, make yourself ready like a man. No. I'm out of this holy one. (laughs) And he goes, where were you when I formed the earth? And where were you when I set the limits on the ocean? Where were you when I told the clouds where they could be? Where were you when I told the morning it was morning and the night it was night? Where were you at, Job? (laughs) Here's the thing. God never answered why, but here's what he said. Job, you've misjudged. You've misjudged. Because ultimately, trust is, is based on believing and putting your weight on who God says He is, not who you think He is. That's really where trust is. I put my weight based on His assessment of Him and not my assessment of Him. Think about that. Because what is your understanding? It's finite. That's what He was telling Job. Tell me about setting the limits for the ocean, Job. <laughs> Job's like, oh. That's <laughs> what so he's saying. Your assessment is based on your finite understanding. And so trust cannot be based on who I think God is. Trust has to be based on letting God tell me who he is and trusting in what he says, regardless of what I see or understand. And I understand for none of us, that's fun. Right? It's... I, it's It's just, I understand it's a challenge. But partial trust is mistrust. Here's the last thing, and this to me is is such an important part. But God keeps what is entrusted to him. God keeps what is entrusted to him. Here's what he said. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And look at this way he said, and then he will direct your path. Can I just be honest (laughs) We want God to direct our path. We just don't want to trust him in all our ways. Like, I, me too. I'm, this is not like you bad people. No, we're humans. I'm one too. And there are times I come to things and think, I don't know if God is God and good enough right now. 
he knows I've already talked to him about it. Some of you are like, oh my God, this is where God strikes the preacher dead right in front of us. <laughs> but there are times, let's be honest, where we kind of feel like, I think I could God better than God today. How many today, let's just have a little fun. How many today, if you were God, remember Bruce Almighty, if you were God, how many have a situation right now you feel like you could fix in less than 30 seconds if you were God? The rest of you are lying. <laughs> you are lying and there's only two places that liars go. Hell or Washington. And right now, they look about the same. I'm so, no, Jesus. <laughs> so, <laughs> here's, here's the reality. So how do I get, so why do I want God to direct my path? Because God knows the plans that he has for me, which are good plans, which is to bring me into a hope and a future, right? So God's plan for me really is better than my plan for me. It really is. <clears throat> but I have to trust it. But the only way to get God's plan for me is to trust in him with everything. But the power and the promise is this. God's like, I keep whatever's put in my hands. Like if I want to see God's power, there's a phrase that I've used several times as it really, it started very early on in the church. Um, I've done it several times since then um, with big and little decisions, but I'll be like, I always look for how can I put this in God's hands? And so I remember when we were moving in here, we were advised by multiple very smart and wise people to maybe not let the city know we were renovating this space because there's a reputation that's sometimes hard to work with the city on certain things. I'm not saying anything other than that's what I was told. Those were not my opinions. Those were the opinions of smart people. And I remember telling our elders, I said, no, I prayed about it and I want to go through all the proper channels because that will, I believe God's bigger than, than everybody else and I want to put it in his hands. When we bought the 49 acres, um, <clears throat> I can't remember the ask on it. It was like a million dollars or something like that. It's what the ask of the, it's like one point something million dollars was the ask. So when I prayed about it, um, I, I asked the Lord, is this the property that you want me you know, want, want us to make a deal on, but I had to tell the agent, you know, so, and the elders were praying. So it's not like I'm a one man band or show at all. We were just praying. But I remember what the Lord told me. He said, um, yes. And the number is $700,000. And I told the agent, I said, um, you can negotiate ever how you want. My number is 700,000. I won't go above it. He said, they, you won't ever get there. Okay. We, we stalled out, I think, at $750,000, and they said, we're done. We won't come down any further. 
And, and the agent said, it's only $50,000 out of $750,000. And I said, yes, but I need to know it's in God's hands and not mine. So my number, 700000 thank them for their time and tell them we don't have a deal. And he did. And four hours later, I got a call. It's now 700000 Are you good? Yes, sir, I am. But, but to me, I wanted, it, I wanted to know I had put it in God's hands. Like, you know, to me, that was important. And here's why. Here is the principle. Because whatever is placed in God's hands cannot be lost. Martin Luther, the great reformer, he said this, I have held many things in my hands. And I have lost them all. But whatever I have placed in God's hands, that I still possess. Jesus said, if I try to save my life, I will lose it. But if I will lose it, I lay it down, put it in his hands, I will save it. Here's what Jesus said. Whatever you keep in your hands, you will lose. Whatever you put in God's hands, you cannot lose. To me, this is the life of faith. It's the war. It's the war of understanding. It's the war of trusting. But what we do is we trust God and say, I've got to get everything because God has the power to hold my life up. God has the power to hold me up. And I got to put everything in God's hands. I got to find a way to put it in God's hands because when I put it in God's hands, it can't be lost. And when I keep it in my hands, it can and so this is the story of our lives. Yes, it's Commitment Weekend. And so, yes, it's, it's the story of finances, but it's the story of our lives. And the admonishment today is to understand, hey, if your life is not in God's hands, you're going to lose it. If your relationships are not in God's hands, you're probably going to lose them. If your finances aren't in God's hands, you're probably going to lose them. But if you'll put it in God's hands, you can't lose it. And the question is, what do you need to put in God's hands and how do you need to put it there? What does it look like to put that in God's hands? Now, for a lot of us, this is where we get our commitment cards out. So if you have a commitment card, because we're going to take just a moment and we put wheelbarrows up here um, and for a lot of reasons. <laughs> um, one of the great reasons is uh, the story of Charles Blondin, who was the tightrope walker. You probably heard this story in the 19th century. And Charles Blondin um, wanted to walk across Niagara Falls, so he, he stretched a, a line 1,100 feet across Niagara Falls, 160 feet above the water. And he would walk, he did different tricks walking across Niagara Falls, but at one point, as the legend goes, he grabbed a wheelbarrow. And uh, he said... <laughs> How many people believe that, well, first, he put like potatoes or bricks. The stories vary. But he put potatoes or bricks in the wheelbarrow, and he went across and then came back, and everybody was like, oh, it's amazing, you know? And, um, and then he said, how many believe I could put a man in this wheelbarrow and go across Niagara Falls? And you know what the crowd did? They all said, yes, yes, you could. I believe it. He said, how many of you would like to be the man in the wheelbarrow? 
it went from a party to a funeral. As the story goes, a person they think was his manager, for lack of better terms, got in the wheelbarrow and he took him across. Think about that. He had to get all the way in. There was trust. But the only way he would get to go across that tightlet rope was he had to put all of himself in the care and the hands of someone skilled and powerful enough to get across. And it is the picture of trust. Like you can believe, but at some point you got to get in the wheelbarrow if you want him to direct your path. So that's what we're doing. So if you have your commitment cards today, I don't remember where this goes, but somewhere. Um, I'm going to give just a minute. I'm going to pray for us and give just a minute. And then whenever you're ready, Whenever you're ready, then you can bring them and you put the commitment card and your first fruits offering in the wheelbarrows. If you're not comfortable doing that, obviously you can put them in the, in the offering boxes. I just thought this was a great symbolic way to bring it to the Lord and to put all of our trust in him. But you're welcome. And you can do it online. So however you get there, you let God lead you on that. But I'm going to ask everybody right now. And, and here's what I want you to do is I pray. I just want you to check with God. And you may want to talk to your husband or wife and just make sure you've got the right number. God may change it. He may not. But this is a good time to double check. And then um, whenever you're ready, then you can bring them and, uh, and place them in here. And that will be as we dismiss because we do need to, to get going. So as we dismiss, so we'll do it that way. I'll pray. We'll dismiss. Um, and then when we do all that, so we're going to do three things at once because we've got to be mindful of the kids. So when I pray and dismiss, the prayer team's going to come. And if you need prayer, I'm going to ask the prayer team to kind of a couple people off to this side and a couple off to this side. So we'll do prayer in the far corners. If you need prayer for anything, relationship with God, health or healing, family situations, faith, whatever, we want to pray with you. And then everyone else, you can bring, when we dismiss then, you can bring your cards at, when you're ready, put them in, and then just go and get your kids. Okay, so that's what we're going to do. Everybody understand the traffic jam that's about to happen? All right. So God, we just thank you so much that we really can trust you with all of our life. And, and God, the promise is that if we acknowledge you in all of our ways, God, you make our path straight. God, today we're taking a big step. Many of us are ready to take that step. And God, we're trusting you in ways we've never trusted you before. God, what I know is whatever we entrust to you, you have the power to keep. And God, there's going to be incredible stories of faith and testimony. I pray, God, though, for those today who are wanting to trust you, but it's a battle. And God, I certainly know how that feels. God, I just pray today that you would help them trust you. That you would give them the courage, give them the strength just to step out in faith, to, to rest in the chair, to trust you in whatever way you're calling them to trust you. God, today, the trust is more important than the amount. We just want to trust you. And we want to see you do, God, what only you can do, what you actually want to do. And we thank you for it. 
In Jesus' name, amen. All right, if you want to stand and then prayer team, if you want to go to the sides and if you need a minute, you don't have to move right now if you need a minute to talk. But as you're ready, you can place your commitments in the wheelbarrows or obviously offering boxes online, etc. At home, you can do it online. And then uh, if you need prayer, far corners and then go and get your kids. I love you. God bless you. We'll see you next weekend.